Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Ash Jones. My co-caster, Michael John Simpson, and I started this podcast to give voice to our passions. This week, we talk about Twin Peaks, David Bowie, counterculture and experimental music, emotional milestones, The Strain, the zombie movie genre, The Lord of the Rings, Archie Comics, Doctor Who, Key and Pew, Mike Myers, socially relevant media events, Hyperlapse, Reptiles, American vs. British TV documentaries, The Biology of Reading, Wild Things with Dominic Moynihan, Occult Things in Music, American Fear Culture, and Bloom Camp. So, here it is, Episode 6 of the Something Something Experience. Yo! Hey, what's up? Hey, how's, uh, how's your week? Uh, my week was awesome, actually. This week was pretty cool. It went by fast. Yeah, it was weird. I was uh, working from home on uh, Tuesday um, because I had to work, as I said last week, I had to work a bunch on Saturday, so I got a, a day off and or a day to work, quote-unquote, work from home, and it was nice, and it really split the week up and made it go faster. But yet, toward the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, still just was like dragging on. I just wanted to get on with my week because we, we went out to a club on Friday and went dancing and then yesterday we had like a Twin Peaks marathon with Kitty Brown and that's that awesome. was cool so um, I haven't watched that show in a while I, mean, I should I should watch it again you should it's all on Netflix or no I'm, I'm sorry I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of X-Files Twin Peaks they just released the, the big uh, box set DV, uh, Blu-ray box set and they took a they took a lot of the cut scenes and they um, they took a lot of the cut scenes and, and uh, cleaned them and scored them they had Angelo oh, Badlamenti yeah, yeah. come in and score the score the uh, cutscenes, so they don't blend them back in with the show, but they feature them and they look like they are part of the show because they're all cleaned. And because a lot, you know, a lot of Blu-ray DVD sets when they have the cutscenes, it's just them talking or whatever, and it's yeah. scratchy and you know it's not been it's not been post production. This is all post production look and everything. It's really good. So that's very cool, man. Um, the first thing I did when I got the box set was I opened it up. And uh, watched the all the all the cutscenes. It's like probably thirty to forty minutes worth of cutscenes from the the prequel, Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me. Lots of extra David Bowie scenes, and because uh-huh. if you've seen Fire Walk with Me, there's the scene where Bowie plays uh, 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 Philip Gerard, a long lost agent who disappeared in the field, who was taken to the Black Lodge and escapes and you see this little snippets of that conversation and the cut scene the, the 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 deleted scenes shows the full conversation and where he winds up and where and and it's really it gives you a little bit of context into the way they made it into this kind of choppy montage thing with him describing stuff and this and that you see the whole conversation and it's good and it just reminds you how how amazing David Bowie is! Praise oh, him! Oh, he's really amazing. <laughs> I hope he. I hope he does more movies, man. He was so good. In the I would movie like movie. to see him do more acting. What's the movie where he played Nikola Tesla? The Prestige. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was in the Prestige. I have that. I haven't seen it still, but I haven't watched it. I need to. I, I'm he's so behind on really so many good. movies. But he's. Uh, um, uh, who is it? Conti. Is it Conti? Yeah. The 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 Visconti uh, said that there the, there's a new album on its way out, and oh, it's cool. not just. The extra tracks, because um, I did the I did a blog post about the the retrospective, um, the fifty year retrospective that they're releasing in October. I think it's October or November, and there's two extra two or three new tracks on it. But there's a whole new album coming, and I'm so excited because 
I think I think personally that just as much as the Beatles, Bowie is one of the single most influential musical artists oh, of all time, yeah. especially of modern music. Of I think that without Bowie, we would not have alternative music. If you if you because but uh, the Beatles when they started out they were a boy band they were pop very pop 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 and Bowie out of the gate started as a, as a folk artist but immediately went that kind of nerdy alternative fantasy route and then went right into Ziggy Stardust out of the gate and and you know very shortly thereafter and created counterculture kind of started popularizing counterculture in western civilization yeah and, and I, I think Ian, without Ian, Ian Curtis was a huge Bowie fan right yeah. oh well yeah I mean yes yes everybody was a Bowie fan to some degree and uh, I've run into people who years ago said that Bowie was irrelevant and this and that and I've always basically worshipped Bowie as God <laughs> um, in a in a in a you know kind of flying spaghetti monster sort of sense uh, but I hung out with an artsy crowd back in uh, in Denver during my Rocky Horror days who all basically worshipped David Bowie because without David Bowie like I said there'd be no alternative there'd be no goth there'd be no this that or the other thing I mean Bowie really started you listen to like the the, the electronic music that Bowie and Eno were producing yeah. in Berlin Brian Eno is another another influencer that I think it, without him a lot of things right exist right right, now. right but I think it was yeah. that collaboration with Bowie that that cemented his place in modern music history um, I think Bowie as I said just as much as the Beatles as any one of them individually was probably the single most influential musical figure. I mean, he was one of the first guys to actually, like, you know, create a character and start using face paint and stuff. Like oh, that. yeah, yeah. And start subverting the, the gender roles and all that stuff. Yeah. So that, we wouldn't that, have yeah. goth. We wouldn't have industrial. We wouldn't have any of that stuff. And Brian Eno was doing industrial music back in the 70s in, in, in Europe. And, and, you know, that paved the way for people like... And then Lou Reed started doing that. Mm. Uh, um, what is it? Metal Machine Music yeah. album, and then Kraftwerk, all the Krautrock bands, Kraftwerk, and all them, and and that's that was the inception of alter of 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 industrial music. And you know, in, in hindsight, when you look back to that era, you see so much innovation, so many interesting things happen, new things that people were embracing, yeah, and uh, mass, and and you know, it just makes me think what what sort of things are happening now that when we look back to this time in thirty years. We'll be like, oh, that was the beginning of this. That was the, this, these are the pioneers. Without them, we wouldn't have the music of like 2050 or whatever. As cynical as it might sound, I think we're going to look back and say, oh, well, the lumberjack look was popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be part of it, but I, I, I mean, think I think there's things that you know. There's this guy. Uh, he calls himself himself a slim twig. He's a Canadian musician, and uh, he um, he's he's does like interesting kind of like it reminds me of early industrial with um um you know throbbing gristle and stuff like that oh yeah but he what he does it's called like concrete music Hmm. and he he gets um different sounds and he processes them in different ways to make like a snare drum Mm -hmm. or a kick drum Mm -hmm. and he samples stuff and then on top of that his voice sounds really like disheveled and whatever Mm -hmm. uh but it just it sounds really interesting and, and like 
It sounds really new. It's it's new. It's I'm a new type to, of music. I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm gonna have to check it out. So. Yeah, uh, Aphex Twin. Just you yeah. told me you you turned me on to new Aphex Twin. They he just released a new album and yeah. and uh, he's some, one of the guys that will look back. He, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. He was he was in the kind of uh, second wave of maybe even third wave of, of synthesizer. You know, auteur producer type. You know, not, if there's a such thing as a musical auteur, um, probably not. There's probably some other. Maybe empresario <laughs> or something. There's some other term for it, but um, yeah, Apex Twin, big, big. I mean, the the ambient, ambient, uh, ambient works. Yeah, ambient works volumes one and two. Uh, again, one of my Rocky Horror crowd friends from Denver turned me onto that back in the '90s, and I was I I use there's songs from that that play every night as I'm going to sleep, you know, and, and it, it forms sometimes if I just want something in the background, if I'm working on something or feeling a certain way, I have to have that on in the background to, to you know, as my as my living soundtrack. Yeah. It's part of my living soundtrack. Interesting. We live in, in such a uh, noisy world that uh, mm. ambient music is perfect. It's like, it's the, me- like- the metronome <clears throat> in Seven. He, he has the metronome yeah, to drown yeah. out the, the din of... of the world, the, the ugly world it's outside, a, and eventually movie. he he thrusts it away to to revel in it, to d- dwell in it. You know, interesting. Um, I, I think I think uh, more than Aphex Twin, uh, Richard D. James. I think Boards of Canada is going to be remembered. Oh as, God, yes! I just yeah. I just uh, turned a friend of mine onto Boards of Canada, and on on Friday I gave her uh, I gave her basically all of it to listen to. Um, yeah, I I was so happy that they put out a new album last yeah. year, and and I'm I, and the more the funny thing is, is I got kind of turned on to them kind of accidentally through other friends, and the more you know I delve deep, I've got their whole catalog, and I've delved deep into them, and and then the more time goes on, the more I just you know you you, you have those certain artists, those certain musical artists that you. Um, you you think oh I'm the only person who knows about this and it's not like you're hoarding it it's just you don't run into anybody who knows yeah. about it like most people you say Boards of Canada and they're like what but then lately I've been running into all these people who are like oh yeah Boards of Canada definitely the soundtrack of your life for certain specific moments that's my favorite electronic music band group, yeah. duo oh, whatever yeah. I was listening to uh, Buck Maxima hmm uh, I've been listening to that a lot, and uh, Geo Daddy. Or yeah, Geo Daddy. That's that's my favorite. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just. I really I, like uh, music has a right to children. That, yeah. that everything everything they do. Yeah, it's just it. And, and the thing that, that that I keep coming back to for a description of them is warmth. Yep. There's a warmth because a lot of electronic music is very cold and very sterile and very scientific and very, and they use all this warm, organic. Synthesizer sound, and then they have this, the samples of children's voices and this oh, and man. that, and it, it's it's there's a warmth to it. There's a there's a thing in their music that hits you inside yeah, instantly. Instantly, it makes it, you feel like you're back in the womb. It, or it ingratiates you to them, and a lot of electronic music has this filter or, or this um, this kind of arm's length distance to it of of we're this thing over here. Oh, it's almost like watching an insect kind of thing, or whatever. You know, it's that yeah. kind of a feeling, or you know, you're watching a machine do its thing and doing its process, or whatever. But but there's a warmth to there's a humanity to 
Words of Canada and a warmth and you read interviews with them and that's always what they were going for yeah. they want to they want to tap into your humanity from you know the what they do very well they, they, they capture uh, all these very intangible mo- uh, emotions that or at least their music triggers that in you so you start yeah. remembering like totally uh, weird unique things that you know maybe you woke up one day and the sun was hitting your face and you felt a certain way and, right. and that music helps you recall those moments it's, to it's me I, to me I go back to childhood memories a lot I, I envision the playground at school right and, and, and those feelings it brings up those those you have memories that are associated with smells or or with in specific incidents but then sometimes you have memories that are based on a feeling and it's a feeling that you had at a certain time in your life and i've been having a lot of those lately i've been having a lot of return to past feelings in my life in relation to people i've made a lot of new friends in the last month or two mm-hmm. and these new friends are instantly tapping into those emotional memories yeah. and it's it's quite rewarding it's been quite re- a rewarding couple of months for me and and you know as we get towards things like party season you know halloween yeah. and the end of the year and things like that there's a lot of plans forming around that stuff and a lot of these memories are coming and kind of permeating me and and uplifting me you know frankly are, are very uplifting so it's it's a good thing and you know we started this podcast too in the last you know six weeks and that that's that's evoking a lot of a lot of sense of accomplishment emotions yeah. for talk, me talk as well. about sense of accomplishment talk about how we got uh mentioned in another podcast i was <laughs> absolutely thrilled um I, as I say all the time, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, although I have a friend who's like, oh, you listen to this many? Oh, that's adorable, because she's like podcast queen, and she's one of the people who's been listening to us cool. and, and spreading our, our, our you know, w- uh, website and stuff around, and uh, so thank you. Thank you, Sue, for that, um, but I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which is the Indoor Kids, Kamel Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon. They had a guest on. Um, uh, uh, Mega Ron, who is a, a, a chip chip hopper, a chip hop rapper. Uh, he does chip hop music, uh, which is uh, hip hop set to eight uh, uh, bit chip tune music, and it's quite good. It's quite good. A lot of it's very video game themed, and it's it's just fun. It's very fun. It's it's kind of nerdcore uh, segment of nerdcore, I would say. Um, you know, very MC Chris and MC Front a lot and. Guys like that. I like um, the ones where he uh, he uh, rewrites the ending of video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lyrics. That's pretty good. <laughs> so they always have a Twitter game uh, in which they will tweet when just before they're getting ready to record, and so that people can tweet in with responses. And it's usually a game that involves um, some form of punnery. Uh, it's like uh, like this last week was uh, Madonna video games or. They'll have, in the case of Megaron, it was uh, um, MC uh, uh, video game MCs, and I tweeted several entries, and four of them got read on their podcast, and they mentioned something to XP on the podcast. So that was that was a good moment personally for us. It was great. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, French not a, Prince of Persia. Yeah, French per- French Fresh Prince of Persia. That was my. My personal favorite, the ones I did, and and they read that one, and they all they said they really liked it, and that that just it made me feel to hear my our podcast mentioned 
something two XP mentioned on another podcast. That was a that was a good personal mo- yeah, personal victory for us. Validation, not that we needed, but it, it was pretty cool. I, I gotta yeah. agree, it was pretty. I cool. fe- it felt validating, definitely. Um, it was a uh, yeah, it was a good moment. So you know, not that I'm expecting that to lead to some any kind of level of of notoriety or anything oh, no, like that. It will. But, but, it will. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it just it felt good. It felt great. It felt valid, very validating, and it's like wow, somebody mentioned this. So um, what else have you been uh, watching on TV and stuff? I know that you watched The Strain and Doctor Who. and, and Yeah, The Strain has been excellent. Um, I think we're in the last two episodes tonight, and next week are the last two episodes of the first season of The Strain, and they're definitely talking about have, uh, it being renewed for another season, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, I'm really happy that, um, that uh, Del Toro and Hogan are producing the show, and uh, Del Toro directed the, the pilot, and they're... they're, uh, they're Maintaining their vision from the books, but I'm having trouble remembering if I have to go back and read again after the season is done. Yeah, right. Like that's going to happen. But I have to go back and read the first book and see how closely. But it feels, from a feeling perspective, very close to what the book was um, and the things that happened in the book. And it's possible, like most uh, books that are adapted into TV or movies, they they change a little bit so that it's not exactly... I mean, some, more t- more so TV shows that yeah. are in the series. Um, they deviate from the books so that the people don't automatically know what's going to happen, like Game of Thrones, things like that. So I don't know how much they deviated from the, the story of the book. Uh, I'll have to go back and read. read I, I, like, I like it so far. The, the one... I have a few things that are... You know, I'm like, really? Like, really? Moments? But... At the end of the day, I, I sort of forgive it because I know what it is. It, it, it knows that it's a little cheesy and it, it, it right. plays to that. But it, it's fun. Um, the one thing is I wonder where the other uh, survivors are because they haven't touched on the, uh, the, the rock star and all that stuff. I think that they intimated when the other vampires, the ones from Europe, came in you think they killed at them. the yeah. lawyer's house yeah. when they were all there. I think they basically that they intimated that they were going around and eliminating oh, all the passengers that from makes the plane. Sense. Yeah. And I don't know that for sure, but that's just the feeling I got. Um, but it would explain why we haven't seen any of those other characters. Because in the book, we see more of the lawyer, more of the rock star, more of the, the pilot. Uh, well, the, they killed the pilot um, the, in the basement of the hospital. But mm-hmm. they, they uh, and then incinerated the body. But they, um, the other passengers, the, the little girl... Uh, I mean, uh, 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 Satrakian beheaded the little girl at the at the little girl's parents' house. The French girl. Um, so I'm thinking that, um, yeah, they, yeah. So I, I don't know, but it feels like that those other vampires were going around eliminating those other passengers. And those other vampires, who the hell are? are is there another master? Are they like rebels or something? I, I don't so know, and I don't remember. I, I think the third book probably delves more into them. I remember them being there. I got halfway through the second book. I have all three books, and I got halfway through the second one, um, and then just got behind in my reading, like I always do. Because unfortunately, my brain is such that I can't. I I don't make reading a priority. There's other media that captures my attention mm-hmm. more so than reading, and I know that's bad and wrong with me, but it's just the way it is. So. I feel for me it's getting harder and harder to just focus on, on, on like a book, read a book when there's all these distractions going on. It's, 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 it's definitely harder nowadays for me. Uh, on, on top of that, our job requires some, some learning. Yeah, yeah. So we have to devote time to that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's refreshing for me, even though the show has flaws, to see vampires return to being yes. monstrous. Yes. 
That's well, awesome. that, that's what initially turned me on to the series of books way before the first book. Well, a few months before the first book came out, which at this point was way long time ago, uh, probably three or four, maybe five years ago. Uh, Del Toro, uh, Guillermo Del Toro was on uh, Craig Ferguson talking about the strain and talking about he specifically and Chuck, he and Chuck Hogan specifically wanted to write something that was the antithesis of Twilight. They wanted to bring vampires as a genre back to the horrible, horrific, disgusting, gross, gory, scary thing that they originally were intended to be. Mm-hmm. And I mission accomplished and let's hope that all the other uh and and now that that with with twilight and um now that it's been parodied now that it's been you know shit on on the internet enough let's hope that that thing is done um you know props to what's her name for writing it props to you know and happy (laughs) so happy that that young adults have you know young adult girls have something to read and and you know but you know now that 50 shades of suck has been spun off of that as a a fanfic thing it's going to keep going in that direction but hopefully it will weed its way it feels like that concept is weeding its way out of the horror quote-unquote horror genre and let's um let's let it just go off and be its own thing and and Let's let leave horror to the people who actually want yeah. to be scared. Like you told me, horror movies should be hard R, and uh, it should be real scary. And this iteration of Vampire, aside from Nosferatu, is I think the most monstrous mm. version in history. Because you know, a lot of for the most part, the vampire is romanticized. Yeah. And like you know, Interview with the Vampire, Anne Rice novels, and whatever. It's like you know, you're pretty forever, and you know, right. you're eloquent and whatever. With this iteration, you're a monster. Your yeah. nose drops off. Oh, your yeah, your, you, gen, your gender disappears. Yeah. You're like a monster. Yeah, you're a monster. Well, the I think the in terms of monstro- monstrosity, the the master could have been executed a little better. I agree. It looks a little <laughs> makeupy. It looks a little animatronic. It looks a little. And maybe that's what they were going for, but or maybe they didn't have enough budget, or maybe may who knows what. But they didn't do any CG. Uh, you know, Guillermo is very big on practical practical effects, effects yeah. and doesn't use a whole lot of CG um, if he can help it, uh, and and does instead does a lot more animatronic and, and practical. So I think that's probably what they were going for. The ma- the master. There are many many things in the book. In, in the show, look like what was in my mind's eye: locations, people, mm. places, things. You never read the comic book? No. Okay. Um, but the master doesn't quite look what was in my mind's eye, and actually, it's pretty far from what was in my mind's eye. Um, and at times, yeah. I mean, he looks so outrageous that it stops being scary a little bit. But I still feel like there's a threat. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not it's still, entirely. Yeah, the the threat the feels more rather than from the master feels more from the the the, zomb- the drones. You know, mm-hmm. um, you almost said zombie. That's a almost said zombies. <laughs> but but I mean, it's very clear that 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 the zombie genre was born out of originally born out of vampires and the notion of the control of a master with an army with an army of drones. I mean, uh, I just watched that. Uh, documentary, the the Doc of the Dead that I wrote the piece on, the blog piece on, um, but 
the one thing that they didn't touch on was where Romero kind of got his idea, and he was heavily influenced by Richard Matheson, mm. uh, by, uh, um, oh, what's the vampire, uh, oh, jeez, I'm blanking. The, what was the Will Smith, the vampire movie, within, he's the only human left? The, I Am Legend. I Am Legend, yeah. I Am Legend. That was the original, the original zombie kind of, came the horde, the horde, horde thing of creatures came out of that idea he got that same idea Romero didn't start the genre no no he didn't he had white zombie right there was all that right 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 there was that but he took that and coupled it with the horde thing from yeah he he really solidified solidified I am am legend and married those two together and turned it into this you know this you know the, the army of the undead kind of thing and and yeah but it came out of Richard Matheson's vampire novelette and um uh, I guess it's a novella. It's a short, short novel. It's only a hundred pages, but it's one of the best stories ever written. Um, Richard Matheson is a, I, I, again. I'm not a huge reader, but certain things that I've really clung to, and the two works of Richard Matheson that are uh, that are my favorites are I Am Legend and the and Hell House, which turned into the Legend of Hell House. Which mm. if you haven't seen the Legend of Hell House, 1972, Roddy McDowell and Lionel Lionel. No, that's the character's name. Uh, I can't remember the actor, but um, yeah, it's one of the best horror movies ever made. Very scary, very crazy, psychologically horrific. Um, Michael Gawk has a very short, small part in that, um, and it's uh, it's one of my best, my favorite horror movies of all time. And it's with Richard Matheson's story. He also wrote the screenplay. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah I um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? Zombies uh, are so popular, and Walking Dead starts pretty soon. I think it's next week or the week after. Um, I, I, I kind of lost interest in that show. I kind of want them to wrap it up the story already. Yeah, I'm kind of. Um, yeah, I, I I watch it mostly because Danny watches it, um, and I do like it when I'm watching it. But I wind up finding myself being angry with that show. They kind of broke away from their pattern the last season because um, it used to be this weekly pattern of okay, we're solving the shit that went wrong last week. In the first five minutes, first ten minutes, that's done. Now we have some really intense arguments about <laughs> what we're doing. Then somebody does something really, really dumb, which allows the zombies back in, and now that's the cliffhanger for next week. Yeah. And that was every episode for a good couple of seasons. Yeah. And the se- season four broke away from that a little bit, um, and now it's much more about other humans being the bigger problem. Rather than the zombies themselves, which, you know, okay. Um, I feel like that's always been the uh, the sort of struggle. The thrust of it. The thrust of it, if you will. But what I like is that they, they seem to be upping the stakes to where now anyone is in danger. Like, you know, Carl almost got raped. Uh, Rick almost freaking died. He was in a coma for like three days or whatever. So even them, the main characters, are being hit. Uh, heavy, you know, like it's it's really getting really right. dangerous for everyone. So I th- I think they should wrap it up. I know the comic's still going, and I think AMC doesn't want to. You know, it doesn't make uh, financial sense to kill the the number one show in America. But for the sake of you know the narrative, I think they should wrap it up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I, I I have a feeling it's going to go on and on and on, especially since they only do what like ten episodes a se- season or something, or Something's fifteen, like ten or fifteen. Yeah. They don't do a full run. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 
I, I would like to see it. I'd like to see media move away from the the dismal, you know. I mean, I know we're in pretty depressing times, socio politically and economically for a lot of people. I would like to see some media that isn't. I'd like to see something that's not end of the world apocalyptic <laughs> and that's not Adam Sandler. You know, I'd like to see and not Judd Apatow. I would like to see something funny and uplifting or something. That's where I really want to go see that that uh, um, Simon Pegg movie, the Hector and the oh, Search yeah. for Happiness. That looks good. Something new, something original, something different. I don't know if it was based on a book or whatever. I would imagine with Simon Pegg, probably not. He seems to be much more about creating original content than than uh, adaptation. So I, I would I want to go see that because it's so unique, so yeah. different. Um, Speaking of unique and different, I just saw the movie Frank last night with Michael Fassbender and Doom Hall Gleason oh. and Maggie Gyllenhaal, where they're in a band. Oh, I hadn't heard of that. And uh, Michael Fassbender wears like this fake head because he's he's afraid of showing oh, his yeah, face. Yeah, he was wearing that around everywhere yeah. as, a, as part of a thing. That movie's amazing. I recommend people go check it out. Aren't Fassbender and Gyllenhaal dating? Uh, maybe that know. happens a lot maybe. where people meet right. in a movie and then they they spark or whatever. Uh, but yeah, there, there, I, I feel like there's amazing, interesting, you know, lighthearted, funny, um, you know, uplifting things out there. It's just that, for the most part, what's really popular mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. in this country is like doom and gloom. Because stuff. everybody's depressed, everybody's pissed off, everybody's worried about going to war in Syria, everybody's worried about where they're, you know, ISIS. Everybody's <laughs> two paychecks away from poverty, basically, yeah. right now, and. And on top of that, cops are killing black people left oh and right. Oh, God, yes. More Which and is, more uh, all the time. Well, let's not go down too dark of a path. I mean, we're talking about... Well, that's a really dark path. That's, well, that's, that's one of the things that I wanted to do with this podcast, too, is put a little more mirth in the world, put a little more happiness and positivity and yeah, things like sure. that. And we, I mean, I know occasionally we, we grouse about things we don't like, but for the most part, I try to keep it positive if we can. Um, so... Yeah, let's talk about things we like. <laughs> um, I was going to mention... Um, Doctor Who? We, we can, we oh, always do, segue. Uh, into unbelievable. I mean, we always talk about Doctor Who, but Doctor Who is a staple in, in my, my universe. Uh, I got to say, Or man. my Who-niverse. Oh! <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to say, this series, it's the best Who that's been around for a long time. It's Every episode is consistently good. Every episode is well-written. Every episode has those wonderful dour, you know, grumpy eyebrows of Capaldi and he's so those eyebrows keep getting mentioned. He's so masterful at, at encompassing every aspects of every single other doctor before him. Between the Scottish accent and the gr- grumpiness and the um you know the the flair that he has he has John Pertwee's Flair, like like theatrical flair, you know that he's got the red lining in the jacket, and he keeps talking about I kind of went for a magician, and that's totally what Don Pertwee looks like. He's just missing the ruffled shirt, you know, and and but but he keeps marching in, taking charge, and sometimes and I like I love I loved listen. It was such a great episode because yeah. it wasn't even about okay, we landed here and there was a problem, now we have to solve it. It was I was thinking about this thing, and now I want to go find it, and and. Just stuff like that. There's this doctor is more philosophical. He's more scientific. He's always with the chalkboard and the chalk writing out equations. Then there was in, in listening. He was also had the whole table full of books off that big library well, the shelf. Time, the his, first time we see him in the first episode, when when they uh, put him in the room, we go back to him. He's writing equations yeah, over the on floor, the floor and the yeah, wall and stuff. So great. 
and those con- that, that continues. You always see the chalkboard in the background in the TARDIS control room with the with the scrawl all over it, and it's it, it just everything about the season. I'm just loving it so much, and this is some of the best storytelling that Moffat has done since Blink, since Silence in the Library. I mean, all the great episodes of, since 2005 that you can think of that are the ones that really, really stand out as superior were written by Stephen Moffat. And then he took over the show and he went down this rabbit hole of fangirlism and <laughs> that's what the whole Matt Smith doctor was about, was keeping fangirls boyfriend doctor. Yeah. yeah, boyfriend doctor. And, and I'm loving the complete total 180 departure yeah. from that he's a he's an a-hole but i like him a lot because uh, he, he means good he's he's like he, well, tough love he has tough love. he's being the doctor the doctor was always like that the doctor was always willing to call people on their shit the doctor was always willing to raise his voice and say no i'm the loudest voice in the room i'm in charge and you're gonna listen to me you or see, you're gonna die do you see the last one I haven't seen last night's okay. yet, so I, I, want, I wanted to I talk go, about it. But I never. I always do something on Saturday night to where I can't watch <laughs> Doctor Who on Saturday night. It was so really we were, good. We were in the. We were in the. We were balls deep in Twin Peaks last night. So <laughs> balls deep in Twin Peaks. That's, that paints a very interesting image. Balls deep. That's an album title. That's an album, <laughs> an album title for some band playing at Coachella. Balls deep in Twin Peaks. Yeah, they, um, they play small guitars. And they have <laughs> weird mustaches. Yes, hipsters. Yeah, sounds like some hipster band. Album title. I agree, man. And I want to thank you for turning me on to Doctor Who. For the longest time, I, I rejected Doctor mm-hmm. Who, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until you started talking about it that I, I said, "Okay, I'll give it a chance." And boy, what a, what a good what a good uh, point in history to jump into Doctor Who. Yeah, this was a great. I've been telling a lot of people, I haven't watched Doctor Who. I said, "Watch now. Go if you got Time Warner. All of the all of the this series is on uh, on demand." They've got the whole series. Netflix, right? They're Netflix really has it too. Netflix doesn't have series eight yet. Oh, uh, they have the, through the end of series seven through the Christmas episode, um, but they don't have series eight. But you can watch all of series eight um, from from the first episode through the current one on uh, on uh, on demand on Time Warner. I don't know about any of the other cable systems because I just switched uh, to Time Warner. But they, yeah, they're really good about about. If the show has been out for a week or so, you can still go back and watch that episode, you know, for at least through through to the end of the season. The other, uh, another great thing, this uh, that just started back up again, Key and Peele, and I oh. wrote I wrote my blog post about that. I finally saw the episode. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, they're back swinging for the fences and the you know the political the the racism stuff, the racial humor and. Their their indictment of all that and 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 it's just. Oh, you know, I was telling Fallon when I, while I was watching that uh, they're they're almost uh, it's like a satire in a way where they're, totally. you know, they're kind of like they're kind of like you know just taking all the media that that marginalizes minorities and mm-hmm. puts them in, in shows and TV as like an afterthought and reversing that so now white people are the afterthought in their skits and, and I feel like the comedy got smarter way smarter. Yeah, it was really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it kind of, it, it kind of hit me like you know, I wasn't expecting. Right, it. right now they are, they are the 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 socially relevant, um, uh, you know, black voice comedy that's out, yeah. and there's always an element of that, and we need that. We always need that. We always need Dave Chappelle. We always need Chris Rock. We always need Eddie Murphy. We always need that um, in our lives. We always need that in America because we need we need somebody. Wagging its finger at at system, system uh, systemic racism and and the you know endemic uh, hold of of you know rich white male 
crap. Yeah. That now that's the thing that this this country, it's the elephant in the room that everyone wants to, uh, especially people in my generation, they want to look around and be like, oh, racism's dead. It's not here anymore. We're the black president now. Yeah, it's black gone. president. No. Your 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 no. point is moot or whatever. But you know, look at all the things that that are happening that are racially motivated. The Tea Party and and you know their views on on women and and, and minorities and stuff like that. Um, and and all the um, police brutality that's going on, it's not white people, Asians, Hispanics, or anything else. It's black it's people. It's white on black. Every time, it's a white male cop shooting a, a black male. Which is insane. Every single goddamn time. Oh, we're going down that rabbit hole again. Anyway, but it's, it's it's hard to ignore. it's hard to not it's hard to not because it's there and it's it's and it's it's. What we're living in again, and I, I don't know. I th- I'm kind of with Greg Proops on. I think it's time for another. I think it's time for another march on Washington. I think it's yeah. time for another stand up and be heard. And you know, so anyway. But it's nice having Key and Peel there, wagging its finger and 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 looking sideways at at the media and looking sideways at what's going on in the world. And and I just read the the Paramount's going to produce like a substitute teacher. Yeah, the substitute teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he gets all the names wrong and everything. It's a funny sketch. It's good yeah, stuff. I can't wait for that. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see what they do to make a whole movie. Because I remember there were times when everybody, everybody, everybody begged Mike Myers out the, you know, bled out the eyes, begging Mike Myers for a Dieter movie hmm. character from Saturday Night Live, yeah. uh, the Sprockets thing, and he want everybody wanted a Sprockets movie, and he <laughs> he. Put some money and you know got money from Universal to try and get that together and and develop that and got to the point where like we can't squeeze an hour and a half's worth of good quality stuff yeah. out of this to make a movie and there was a big lawsuit and blah 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 and there was this whole thing with with between him and Universal and then and then they got their shit settled and and Austin Powers three came out so um, but yeah it was it was. Uh, it, it, to be It'll honest, be interesting I to see what they can do with the substitute teacher character. I think Sprockets could have been a movie, man. I think so too. But yeah. if if the guy who created it says there's not enough material here for a movie, you can't do it. You gotta trust that. <laughs> and good on him for not just shitting out something for mass consumption, like MacGyver, right? I, I like Ma- MacGruber. Actually, you know what? MacGruber was better than I than than I thought it was going to be. I went and watched it, and and. I thought I found it pretty funny. It was, especially seeing Val Kilmer. It was kind of cool seeing yeah. them, seeing him there. But I felt like it, that's one of those movies you watch once every ten years or something. Sure, sure, sure. It's sure. like it's it's not. I'm not going to watch it like Austin Powers like ten, right. ten yeah. times in a year. Right, right. <clears throat> and they're talking about um, Will Forte saying that there might there might be a sequel or something. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's working on it. I've heard that I, there I might be another. I've heard there might be an Austin Powers four. That so, would be interesting. And I would, I would, I would go see that. Actually, Mike Myers was in a talk show recently, like last month, I think. He, hmm. he was talking and everything, uh, not about movies, just talking about what he was doing in Canada, or whatever. Yeah, he has like a foundation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he looks good, man. So yeah. he, he still has some juice in him. I hope he still has creative juices in him. And um, I'd go. I would go watch an Austin Powers four. I would go see it. Did you watch the Love Guru? The last one no, you did? No, yeah, me neither. No, <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah. And, I, and by all accounts, it was not not good. It, it was one of those things where, you know, like with the, the Sprockets movie, maybe he should have. But, you know, and not everybody can always put out a winner every time. Adam Sandler. <clears throat> Sorry. Dude, um, I mean, that, we can go down the list. Jim Carrey has uh, had a lot of stinkers. Eddie Murphy has had a lot of stinkers. I uh, want to go back and see those Jim Carrey 
pseudo horror movies like was it Room 13 23 Room 23 I want to go back and watch some of those movies I think it was just 23 the number actually yeah the number 23 Uh, but there was Room I think it was Room 14 and then was the number 23 so I think it was two different that's uh, uh, John Cusack's movie Room 1408 right okay okay. which is a great movie which came out around the same time as the number 23 yeah I think so okay um I like you know we've talked about this before I like when comedians play those serious roles and I want to see more of that um was I just thinking Kevin of? Hart is a serial killer <laughs> forget maybe about that not. maybe <laughs> not um, uh, Kevin Hart's humor doesn't particularly tickle me in you know yeah, that way so um, and he's fairly ubiquitous these days I see him on my TV and commercials a lot oh Greg Proops man he would be awesome in a movie oh my god I would love to see Greg Proops in a movie I was just watching Who's Line and Greg Proops was on and it was utterly delightful and Everything he does. If you have you downloaded the, have you heard the live at Musso and Frank's special that he did? No, no. You can get it on his uh, gregproops.com. You can get it for five bucks and download it. It's great. He recorded a comedy night at, or did an hour comedy special at Musso and Frank's right in the middle of the dining room. It was great. It was just he's just so great. He's awesome. I, I love Greg Proops. He's politically relevant and and uh, and uh, you know very very passionate and another he's another one of those voices that. That really wags its finger at society and says, "No, you you need to, you're you're not doing it right." So he's fighting the good fight. Um, I was thinking I was back to another topic from another podcast. Uh, Lacey Green and she came out in, uh, voiced voiced an outcry about this other uh, YouTuber who's uh, harassing women in the streets and these other guys that do it too and calling them out and and imploring people to spread the word about. Their their negative activities and 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 to uh, you know asking people not to patronize their their not to give views to their videos and this and that and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly yeah there's these days it's really really difficult to separate entertainment from from the socio political spectrum yeah there there's this channel that that I watch just because. My <clears throat> my lizard brain <laughs> cannot stop. It just uh, my lizard brain won't turn off at, at the thought of this concept. It's a bunch of kids going to bad neighborhoods and pranking people. Um, these kids are going to get killed one day. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I hope they realize I, this. No, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch. Why? I would imagine. Okay, I could be wrong, but maybe this is my own. Prejudice. I imagine it's probably white kids. Yeah, they're all white. Going yeah. into urban neighborhoods yeah. and in a non-white neighborhood. They have they have one where they just go up to black people that look threatening and they fart on them. They have one where they go up to black people and say um, uh, something about racist about like stealing bikes or whatever, and they get punched and thrown in the ground, and it's sort of like. Um, it's sort of like that thing where you can't stop watching because you're waiting for the car to crash or Evil Knievel to just fail at doing the stunt or something. It's it's that part of your and brain watching watch that it. stuff. I can't watch air show footage. I can't watch stunt. I, no, I know. It's, it's I, can't, I don't want to sit around and watch people like. The, the, the <laughs> sick thing is though, you know, if those black kids went into a white neighborhood and started doing that shit, the cops would be there in thirty seconds and they get shot. I know. I know. You know, yep, they would. Uh, yeah, white privilege. Trayvon, yay. Trayvon. yay, white privilege. Oh, yay. 
Well, I, I don't want to go on a soapbox. Yeah, I know. We're, we're drifting a lot into that territory. But, hey, you know, it's the times we're living in, and it's the reason why we have all these... Well, one thing I've been thinking about lately is, is, is it just this country? Because when I watch British TV... I don't know. It seems like British people are more enlightened in that sense. When I watch um, Asian television... <clears throat> um, the same thing. I mean, I don't know much about those cultures, and this is something that I would like. I mean, if you if you're listening to this and you're in another country, let us know. How, um, yeah. What yeah. Oh, like, uh, that's one thing I wanted to say. We we found out this week that we're we're we've gone international. We've got listeners in France and in Singapore and uh, Portugal and Ireland and the UK and Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico and uh, say hi, please. Follow us on Twitter, something to xp at twitter.com. Please follow us. Please say hello. Please drop us a line on Twitter. Drop us a line at the at the blog. Drop us a line on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash something to xp. Please drop us a line. We want to hear from you. Please just come say hi. Uh, send us a review on iTunes. Uh, please, we want feedback. We really want feedback. Um, we just want to, you know, we know that our voice, the people are listening out there, and we just want to know what you think, good, bad, or otherwise. But you know, just be kind about it. Yeah. And <clears> good or bad, I mean, we just we just want to know if there's anyone out there that thinks we should do things better, or talk about certain or things, talk about or yeah, talk about the the differences in in, in American culture and uh, international versus, culture. Yeah. Uh, we we're, we're interested in that. Uh, stuff. That fascinates me. That's yeah, we're interested in that too. We were, I was talking about yeah, you watch British TV and. Uh, there's gay people and there's black people and there's Asian people and there's white people. people there's transgendered people and it's just people yeah and it's just people. people and that's the way it should be but in America there's still all these boxes and there's still all this pigeonholing and there's still this this should be this that should be that never the twain shall mean and I disagree with that completely I have a, I, I like to think I have more of a world view I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else I just think that what's wrong with Allowing everybody the same amount of space. What's wrong with allowing everybody the same amount of say? What's wrong with allowing everybody the same amount of of uh, of uh, importance and value? What's I think wrong it, with that? it all boils down to control. Yeah, and and like divide and conquer. And well, and stuff. especially the control of of wealth, of yeah, money, exactly of so. resources, of power. I mean, America is a huge experiment that unfortunately is still going, man. No, well, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what I, I don't know. You look at the which way the pendulum's swinging, and it seems to be seems like the pendulum was swinging in a positive way for a long for a while there, and then it's been not <laughs> for a while there now too. So I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of I don't know. There, it's definitely better for for a certain segment of people to be living in America than elsewhere. But then then there's certain things that still keep happening here that. That you know make me wonder why why things have to be a certain way. But then again, the way the country was founded, and, the, and there's still a lot of those undercurrents and themes that and that are that that those paradigms that still exist. Yeah, the and, DNA of this country. I mean, yeah. can we change it? That's yeah. a, that's a valid question. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to segue into something totally. Uh, uh, off topic, but that's uh, a new app that I found. That's a that I think is really cool. It's called Hyperlapse, okay, uh, by the makers of Instagram, and it's it's this uh, video recording app that is it the uh, one that you record twenty second twenty twenty four second videos instead of six second videos. No, no, no. It's uh, you can share them the videos you record on Instagram or whatever. But the, the, the gist of the app is it lets you record time lapse videos, but it has this algorithm that. Um, 
um, corrects any shakiness in the video, and you can record. You know, I think every minute equals ten seconds. And um, I recorded my commute the other day, and it was so crazy. Like huh. just watching me get in my car after work, drive home, get off the car, up the elevator. It was insane in like a minute. Watching where did that. you prop your phone up? Or did uh, you just have it on you? Or did I, you have? It I have a mount on the car. Out. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, I have a I have a, a car mount for my phone, but this particular model of phone and this particular model of of uh, car mount, you can't record the front camera. Oh. You can't u- use it for the record front camera. It blocks it. Whereas, yeah, it blocks it in the back. Whereas every every other car mount that I've had was made by Motorola for that phone and had the camera, so you could record. You know, I guess they didn't want people taking pictures while they were driving, or I guess maybe. Who knows? Maybe the man doesn't want us using dash cams like they do in Russia. That's an interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting phenomenon. To, to yeah. sorry to to derail real quick, but have you seen? I'm sure you, your lizard brain has watched the dash cam <laughs> videos from from Russia. From from it's the starting Eastern to block. it's starting to sound like I'm just a reptilian. Behind this veneer, I, I talk about my lizard brain all the time, and and I, I I kind of like that, and I'm and I'm probably completely bastardizing some actual scientific uh, thing, but the the whole concept of the lizard brain, the part of the brain that is basically just uh, you know eat, fuck, sleep, survive, um, and and not doesn't get into any higher level thinking concepts, um, but. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I find myself being fairly reptilian at times as well. But you know, we all are. We're, as I said, as we said last week, we're all, you know, we're all ugly to a degree. We're all, we all have a knuckle dragging Neanderthal inside of us. Yeah, technically speaking, though, though reptiles uh, have to conserve their energy because they're cold blooded. Right. Uh, so they only strike when they have to. Right. They only move fast when they have to. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I think we just use that expression as it's an expression. It's like figure of speech or whatever. Right, right, right. Well, there's a that reminds me of every time I think about lizards and, and the cold bloodedness and this and that. There's a there's a species of lizard that that their brain function is so base basal or what what's the word I'm looking for? It's so um, it's such, such a base level that they don't they don't have the ability to feel heat through their skin mm. and so you know lizards have lizards and reptiles have to hide during the day in the desert because otherwise they'll fry they'll, they'll boil you know though they don't they won't uh, you know especially in the desert where it gets 120 degrees or whatever they have to hide in the shade during the day and a lot of them are nocturnal um, at least to the point where a lot of them uh, are diurnal to the uh, uh, to the to the point at which they have to go in those times where that's cool enough to be out but not so cool that they're slowing down um but there's a there's one particular or the a particular variety of lizard that is so baseline that it doesn't have the ability to feel heat so they have an uh, what's almost like a photo photo a photoreceptor on the top of their head it's almost like a third eye but it basically only detects light or dark it doesn't detect heat. It doesn't detect infrared or like a, like a pit on a viper. It just detects whether there's light or not. So there will frequently you'll find this. So it knows when it's when it's hot, when it's light. That means it's hot. They have to get under into shelter. Hmm. And so then when the light goes, you know, fades, they can come out and actually feed and go find insects and things. So I don't know. I'm going on and on about this, but basically they'll find this the, these these lizards. They'll find them dead. 
having sought shelter under a rock, but they only got in as far as their neck, and their body stuck out out and fried in the sun. But their head is under the rock, so they thought that they were sheltered when they really weren't. Oh. They they have this one function just for that, and they can't actually feel the heat in their skin. They don't know that they're frying until they're dead, you know, so it's interesting. That is crazy, man. Imagine if humans were like that. Yeah, <laughs> actually, if you go look at you go hang out on Zuma Beach. <laughs> There's the heads under the towel, and the rest is out, just frying in the sun. Um, yeah, so yeah, so that was totally a lizard brain moment there. <laughs> no, that, that is fascinating. I think the animal kingdom is incredibly fascinating, man. There's all these different things, like uh, you know, since we're you know this is geared towards geeky and whatever geeky pursuits. I think I, the the what's the name of the um, the one fungi that that uh, infects ants. Cordyceps. 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 Yeah. Which that was the which was the basis of the the zombies in uh, the Last of Us video yeah. game. Um, is... Going back to nature and nature documentaries, um, we were having this conversation the other day off microphone. So I'd like to have it on microphone. Going back to American documentaries, nature documentaries. Uh, his, you know, History Channel type shows, things like that, about how you keep. There's only there's only five minutes worth of content in a half an hour program, but they keep reiterating and repeating it oh, and man. showing the same clip over and over and over again. And they tell you what's coming up before the break. They go to the break and they come back and they spend five minutes telling you what what everything that's been in the show so far, and then getting back to the point where they were to tell you the point that they were going to get to before the break. And so, like I said, there's only, there's only five minutes worth of content. There's only five Plus minutes of information they're going to get you, but it's going to take them half an hour to do it because of commercials and repeating the same shit over and over and over and over and over yeah, again. Which Geo. that versus the British documentaries, the the you know the Richard Attenboroughs, uh, sorry, the David Attenboroughs. And the the, uh, the the John Hurts of the of the, you know the British lovely British orator uh, actors and, and, and presenters and they do their version of the nature documentary and it's a solid hour it's a solid hour from beginning to end and it's all new information as you go along there's no repetition there's no anything and it's it's so much more engaging and it's so much more interesting and they're the ones that stick with you more it's so much more educational I think uh, oh yeah Matt Geo Discovery Channel and uh, History Channel. Uh, they have horrible producers that just think they have to uh, appeal to the Spike Channel audience with the action-oriented yeah. educational shows, yeah. and I don't, I don't get that at all. I, I, I do, I, I prefer older American documentaries and 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 um, foreign. I miss Wild Kingdom, Marlon Perkins. Oh, that was good. I miss that. I miss. Um yeah, Marlon Perkins, Wild Kingdom, that was great. I miss the National Geographic specials that used to be syndicated on local television and on PBS. I miss those. Um, you know, and those were great. I miss that. Those were so well produced and so interesting and so fun to watch. I mean, my whole family would watch those, would sit around. And now yeah. you couldn't get them to sit down and I mean, watch. What, what I associate with watching those documentaries was, like, yeah, exactly what you said. Family time. Yeah. And you felt calm. Yes. I don't want to feel like my adrenaline's pumping when I'm watching. Like, And they have a lot of countdown shows. Right. Like, ten uh, most dangerous predators or whatever. No. I don't care. That's useless fucking knowledge. Just, you know. But, you know, I, I've relegated a lot of that to um, now I just read. I don't. I don't watch a lot yeah. of nature shows or whatever. I just well, read about that. I, I'm, a, I'm again. I'm as I said before. I'm like with Eddie Izzard. I'm a passive researcher. I like the research to come to me because <laughs> um, I don't. I don't read as. I mean, I, I'm very much. A, I'm very much pro books. 
I'm very much pro education. It's just my brain's not wired for that. I mean, and so whenever I see people expostulating or, or or gushing about a book that they read or having time to read, like I have a friend who who posts a, a picture of wherever she's sitting. She drives a long commute to work. And then she gives herself enough time. She leaves early so she avoids traffic. But she also gives herself time in the morning to read before she has to go to work. And she'll sit and take a picture of this wonderful wherever you know place, wherever she is, wherever she's sitting with her coffee and her book. And it, it, it gives me such a good feeling. Mm. She's doing this thing that she wants to do. And she's making time for it before she has to go and slog away for somebody else. Yeah, that's and, cool. I'm a huge nerd. I get the Science Magazine and... and mm-hmm. It's, it's like an in-depth kind of uh, publication mm-hmm. where they explain formulas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but I feel like <clears throat> a lot of the things that I wish I, I, I had time for, I just don't. I mean, that's part of being an adult. You right. have to also right. divvy up your time. Oh, yeah. Um, work takes half of your time. And then if you have a wife and kids and stuff like that, sure. it's yeah. more of your time. Kids complicates that further. I mean, work complicates. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Right? The, 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 the adult, you, the more adult... You know, the more you grow up, the older you get, the the more you're being pulled in multiple directions. The more you're responsible, your your list of responsibilities. It's not all bad, goes. kids. Don't think that. <laughs> Stay in school after uh, 21 years old. Read books. Right? No, the, the, that's what the, well, I think. The graphic novel, the comic book genre, I think is a good thing because it's kind of that halfway point where you can get in and get some reading in, but you also get a visual, so you can kind of it kind of make makes up for it takes takes some of the, the heavy lifting off of that and, and the time wise because you can you can get through a comic book and still really get yeah, the rich yeah. full gist of what was being but you know there's also the thing to be said for the author painting a picture with words and the, the and leaving it up to the reader to use the mind's eye to see it to visualize it I think and it's a, it, it's an interesting conversation yeah it, because I think I think nowadays people read more just based on the fact that everyone uses their smartphone sure uh, every 15 seconds right most of the interactions you have with your smartphone which is basically a pocket computer right you're reading something yeah but in the sense of <clears throat> the actual, um, you know, like literature and in, 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 in the classical sense, that's still necessary because that um, exercise itself stimulates a different part of your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- or, yeah, or, there's there's lots of studies and it's all true. Your imagination. They, they've actually shown exciting. on compute, you know, on on brain monitoring, brainwave monitoring yeah. that that stimulating that, that reading stimulates a part of your brain uh, stimulates the brain in a different way than watching something on TV or doing other or listening or that things like that yeah, and, like, and, I, like, yeah. and I get all that it's just it's just my brain the way and I know I make a lot of excuses for it but it really <laughs> is just true the way that you know some people's brains are not wired for that for yeah. I'm, a, I'm a visual stimulus yeah you know wired type of I going, going back oh go ahead people people have different interests but it's like comparing uh, the Kardashians to like a gallery uh, of Dali, Dali paintings or something like yeah, that yeah. where you know you're still using your eyes and you're viewing something but it's not the same thing yeah. but I mean anyway well we, going we, we going back to what we were talking about nature documentaries <clears throat> and, and TV shows and things like that there's a really good and, and the difference between American versus British. There's a good hybrid of that kind of uh, search for action kind of thing with the good British, you know, one guy and a camera, one guy with a cameraman and a mic, you know, a microphone out out together, finding something together, chasing after something together, just to see it, just to view it, just to look at it. 
and that's Dominic Monaghan. The Wild Things with Dominic Monaghan. Dominic Monaghan's the actor mm-hmm. who's in the Lord of the Rings and has all these other things. He he's a really interesting individual. He lives in Los Angeles now and has for a lot since mm-hmm. Lost since since Lost finished up. He moved to Los Angeles and he he goes around the world with a BBC cameraman and a camera and searches out these really interesting uh, species of animals that are not seen all that much and not known all that much and goes into caves and underwater and into forests and down ravines and places and places that people aren't generally allowed to go and he goes and searches them out and picks them up and touches them and handles them and handles snakes like a snake trainer would and and is very respectful and very kind the man took his money and bought a forest in i want to say india it was either india or thailand he owns a forest in order to preserve it and to save it from industrialization he bought a forest in asia and that's amazing to me. That to me is like, what a great use of your money. What a great use of your fame. What a great use of of that thing to raise awareness for animals to to preserve them. And and I, I have a lot of respect for Dominic Monaghan. Plus, he's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, he was a uh, yeah man. He's uh he's cool man. He was cool in Lost. He was cool in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to lose major geek points, but I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember if he was Pippin or Merry. I always get those two mixed up too. I think he was Merry. Not sure. So he owns a forest. That's pretty crazy. That, that's on the same level as like uh, Johnny Depp. He owns an island. You're right. He was Merry because he says, says, "Well, that leaves you out, Pip." Hmm. We need people of intelligence to to go on this <laughs> sort of mission, quest, thing. Well, that leaves you out, Pip. <laughs> to quote Lord of the Rings, Lord I of the Rings. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Man, I, I know. I mean, most geeks are like super Tolkien fans, and I haven't even read those stories. Uh, I read Lord of the Rings uh, after the first movie came out. The whole darn thing. I'm just not a fantasy guy. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I, I and, like and that was that was the inception. That was the the launching point. I mean. If it weren't for Tolkien, there'd be no Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, definitely. Man. I mean, it's yeah. all directly... I mean, Gary Gygax, directly derivative of Lord of the Rings. And all those turn-based RPGs. And all those Led Zeppelin albums. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> right? Zeppelin Four, the Zoso album, or the Runes album. That's all It's all Lord of the Rings. Misty Mountain Hop and... and uh, Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. It's about Galadriel. It, that's, that's about Galadriel. And everybody, it's so funny... Back in the 70s and 80s when all the backward masking and all that shit was happening and the parents were so afraid of satanic music, Pipper Gore and uh, Tipper Gore and all those people, um, the, the, you know, the, the explicit tags and music and this and that, they were so afraid of devil worship and back masking. And Led Zeppelin was writing songs about Tolkien. <laughs> it has nothing to do with devil whatsoever. Nothing to do with Satan whatsoever. And even if it did, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. came, what came to be perceived as Satan music, Satan music... Uh, that that happened when Kiss came out, and they oh, actually yeah. started looking threatening. Wow. But before that, people yeah. were writing weird, yeah. Yeah. obscure, occult yeah. lyrics. Yeah, um, people were well, reading you, Alistair you Crowley. Got, you and got stuff bands like that. out there that are definitely Satanists, like King Diamond and other acts like that. That are oh, yeah. they, they mention Satan outright oh, yeah. in their albums, you know, and, and it's just like oh, it still happens. There's a new band called Ghost. Yeah, that they're pure. But Satanists. who cares? But who cares? <clears throat> 
<laughs> you know what's funny? They might be giants. Did Satanistic backmasking and on the at their concerts sometimes? Oh, that's freaking awesome. not the kids shows, but the adult Dude, shows. I remember as a they'll kid, say, "Oh, Natas, Natas." You know, it's so funny. I remember as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, a thing when we had. Uh, you know, we had CDs, but we used to buy the tapes just so we could rewind them and be yes. like, the devil's talking to us. Like, there were a few bands, like uh, Nirvana and whatever. <laughs> we were doing that in the 80s. We were taking every album we could get our hands on and putting it on the turntable and playing it backwards. <laughs> and there's passages in Stairway to Heaven. It's like, mm, my sweet Satan. Oh, Mother Mary, I wish it would snow. And it's just like, oh my God. And it really, it's just... Satan, what was that one? And it's just so funny. There was this whole movement of just this... God, it's so it's so just it's fucking dumb. dumb how Americans yeah. come up with shit to be scared of. They invent shit to be afraid of. And sometimes, time. unfortunately, it's like people. It's like, let's be afraid of brown people. Let's be afraid of Muslim people. Gay people. <sighs> Gay people. Let's be afraid of AIDS. Let's be afraid... I mean, AIDS is something to be afraid of, but, but it's like it was said on another podcast somewhere, it's like... You know, AIDS could have been stopped with a pamphlet if Reagan had just. Oh yeah. If Reagan had just come out and said, "Look, there's this thing happening. Go out, protect yourself." A pamphlet could have stopped AIDS. And maybe, maybe we would still have Freddie Mercury. <laughs> maybe on this earth. And Rock Hudson, and yeah, all the others we lost. Liberace. But I was thinking, um, <laughs> what was I thinking? I was laughing because um, the whole Satan thing. Uh, oh, there was something I was laughing at. You know what's interesting though? I, I think I now. think um, it'll come to you. But I think uh, yeah, the, the 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 masking thing is the same as like the Rorschach pictures. Oh, where yeah. you, you see, see a pattern. You and see you, what you want to see. Exactly. You hear. You see you what make you it up because your brain see. is like um, you know your brain acts as an engine and it t- tries to fill in the blanks. I remembered uh, always relevant at the time, always socially finger on the pulse. Bloom County, the the. Uh, the 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 comic strip from the eighties, Bloom County, with you know Opus the Penguin and all this, and I don't remember that. It was a newspaper. Okay, uh, came and went. Berkeley Berkeley breathed or breathed or however you want to say his last name. Uh, he did this really wonderful tongue in cheek. There was also another one called Outland that came after that, but it was Opus the Penguin and Bill the Cat and Milo and all those guys. They did a whole thing on backward masking. They were listening to this album and they were rewinding it, and it said it said. Go to bed, go to school, brush your teeth. <laughs> I was saying all these real positive things. It was really funny. Yeah, that That's was, hilarious. That was the thing I was laughing at. But uh, those days are gone, man. I think that the the I kind of I kind of miss that in in rock music that it had that um, you know mystique to it and and, and like a cult aspect to it. <clears throat> Most rock bands now are just. Like cookie cutter stuff that you find in Walmart oh, yeah. or whatever. Well, rock music is not even a thing right now. You listen yeah. to K Rock, I mean, it's supposed to be the new rock. It's all twee pop. Yeah. It's all twee pop and, and music that sounds like 100 year old problems, you know, Mumford and Sons and blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah. it's that whole thing is taken over. You know, things that Zoe Deschanel would listen to are taken over K Rock now for right. now. There, yeah. There's probably a few bands like Jack White and Queens of the Stone yeah. Age. But they're not being, they're not getting the airplay. They're not getting airplay. They're not getting airplay. Anymore, yeah. Well, we're about in an hour now. Um, uh, oh, what do you What do you recommend in this week? Tell yeah. me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me. Well, um, I'll, I'll reiterate what I said earlier. Frank, the movie with Michael Fassbender, check it out. It's amazing. Um, <clears throat> there's another uh, movie called Cavalry with um, Brandon Gloom, uh, Doomhall. Mm-hmm. I think his name is the guy who was in Twenty Eight Days Later. He got the uh, the blood in his eye, whatever. Okay. He plays a priest. It's amazing. And lastly, there's a comic book called 
Afterlife with Archie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Where uh, Archie comes back. Archie has died in the comic. No, 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 no. He, 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 he hasn't died. He's still oh. the main character. Okay. But it's, it's, uh, it's um, uh, Jughead. Oh, Jughead's a zombie. And, and uh, basically Hot Dog gets uh, the, you know, like uh, a Infected. curse put on him. Oh, he becomes okay. a zombie. He bites uh, Jughead and then Jughead... Uh, crashes the uh, the Halloween ball uh, at Riverdale, and it's amazing. Wow! I was skeptical as hell. So there, uh, the actual uh, ink guy, uh, Francesco uh, Fratticelli, I think his name is, uh, is amazing. So check out his work. Check out Afterlife with Archie. That's it. Cool. Um, I'm recommending the new season of Key and Peele. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. And make sure you watch it. Uh, I, I met. Uh, Keegan Michael Key name drop. I met Keegan Michael Key, <laughs> and he said his wife would not forgive him if he didn't tell people watch the show on Comedy Central. Because if you watch it on Comedy Central, even the reruns, they that means the the st- stats go in so they can continue doing their thing. Please watch it on Comedy Central. Um, you know, even if you I don't know. Do something, but watch, even use watch it on the Comedy Central app. There's an app now that you can download for any device that you can watch content, and if you watch it through there, I think it counts. And it's so, good comedy, and we all want good comedy, right? So yes, we want good comedy. Good we comedy. want that racially relevant comedy. We want that social commentary. We we need we need 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 with capital letters need twenty foot high red neon letters. We need Key and Peele right now and in the future. So support them, please. Um, you're gonna find something that makes you laugh. Their their comedy covers a lot of areas, and you're gonna find something that makes you laugh. You're gonna find something that's meaningful. Wait, to was you. this broadcast but brought to you by Comedy Central? Or- <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, we're not quite at that level yet. For now, we're still just doing this for us. <laughs> that was a good advert, man. It was uh, pretty I'm good. just saying, you know. I want to watch Kim Peel right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, what was the other thing I was. Oh, uh, New Bowie. Um, keep your tab. Your, uh, there's this uh, Bowie exhibit going on in, in, uh, in uh, Chicago. Uh, like a week ago, one day in September, the mayor of Chicago declared it Bowie Day, and he did the Ziggy Stardust, the Latin oh, Sane so lightning cool. bolt on his face, and. Declared it David Bowie Day, so now David Bowie is a is an annual holiday in Chicago. Um, praise him. Um, so go and uh, find anything Bowie you can find, and and if you haven't, go back and listen. You got fifty years, fifty five zero. Jeez. So many fiftieth anniversaries this year. Nineteen sixty four was a huge year for a lot of shit. First Beatles, first Bowie, first mm. uh, first Doctor Who. Sixty three was first Doctor Who. First. Uh, um, uh, uh, first James Bond was 61 um, but yeah 62 no 61 um, but yeah so there's a lot of stuff that's over 50 years old now and I know you know a lot of people are like mm, whatever no go find go find the old stuff you're going to be surprised at how much the thing that you like now was influenced by something that came mm, before yeah. it um, and it's just a thing and, and that it, it's really true the people who don't uh, no history or doomed to repeat it. Uh, go back and, and, and find those influence. I encourage anyone to take somebody that they like who's now and ta- and look into what they liked and look into what they liked and look into what they liked because you're going to find that common thread that started. And maybe that thing that they, that they, you know, several layers back, maybe that's not your thing uh, per se, but... So a lot of times you'll find out it, it was. I mean, we talked before about how we like to watch old movies and listen to old bands. And I've got a lot of old music. And 
Bowie is one of those things. Bowie is going to live forever uh, in in our hearts, in our minds, our voices. Um, it's going to be he's going to be a, he's going to be a thing forever. He is in, endured and, and hopefully he still has a few more decades in him. Oh yes, please, please, please. Um, so many people we've lost this year, and I don't want to lose anybody anybody else. I know. I mean, there's no way to stop that, but. Joan Rivers and, and especially in the comedy world, this is a this is a hard hard year for comedy fans. Uh, Robin Williams, David Brenner, and what's the name of uh, Reed Richards' uh, kid in the comic books? Reed Richards' kid, the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I don't know. Some th- you're the Marvel guy. I know, but but I wish I was him because there's this theory going on that ever since he popped up in the comic books, uh, none of the main characters that he cares about in the comics aged. So yeah, whenever he someone dies, he brings him back to life or whatever. Yeah. I wish you know yeah. Joan Rivers was a huge you know oh. loss and whatever. Yeah, uh, a lot of people died this year. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, on that happy note. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, um, well, anyway, uh, I hope everybody has a good week. We'll be back next week. I believe we have a guest next week again. And uh, everybody, uh, please, please go find us on Twitter. Please like us on Facebook. Please add us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, something to XP and always remember please be kind the something something experience podcast was conceived and produced by Ash Jones and Michael John Simpson intro music ways to change faces and outro music Scorpio 37 was written produced and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri you can find us online as something to XP on iTunes WordPress and YouTube please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook You can also reach us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.